0: Um, on a bowling outing. That's March the third. We're gonna leave at three thirty, um, and we'll get back hopefully right around when church is ending, around six thirty or seven. Um, and we're only charging five dollars a person. That's a steal. Okay, so we'd love for you to come and join us as we go hang out and bowl. Um, also, discipleship now weekend is uh, approaching quickly. Uh, this is a weekend where we get together. We have all this uh, fun and games, but we also have times of worship with other local churches. Um, that is $30 per student. That's for a whole weekend, all your food, all your games, the lessons, the worship, all of that. Um, there's a sign up sheet on the welcome desk, and the, the earlier you can sign up, the better, so we can figure out transportation and all of those things. So if you know that you're planning on going and you uh, want to sign up, that sign up sheet's in the back. Uh, once again, that's $30 per student. Also, Appalachian Trail Missions coming up March 15th through the 17th. Um, there are still a few spots available, so if you're interested, please see Neil or Marcia um, about going on the Appalachian Trail mission. Also, sorry, March 1st and 2nd is the uh, BCM at the University of West Georgia, their dinner theater. Um, that's something that we support uh, every year. So it's March 1st and 2nd at 7 p.m., um, $15 for adults, 10 for children, um, and you can either call or go by the BCM to purchase tickets there. I think that's all the announcements we have for this morning. Um, this morning, Mr. Al Aubrey is going to come forward and read our scripture. He's our deacon of the week this week. So if you have any questions, you have any concerns, you can see him um, as well as me or Neil. And so, uh, Mr. Al.
1: Thank you. Good morning. The uh, The scripture for today is... Comes out of first John three 1 through, one through three. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears we will be like him because we will see him just as he is and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Thank you.
2: Join me in prayer. Father we thank you so much for The great love that you have for us father a love that's hard to comprehend hard to understand because father quite frankly we're pretty unlovable yet you loved us you loved us so much you sent your son jesus christ to die on the cross for us father so that we could be made right with you father i pray that we would always be humble and grateful and father Thank you so much for what you've done. I ask now that you be with us in this service today. Thank you for everyone who's here, Father. Uh, Thank you for preparing a message for us, and I pray that we would open our hearts to receive that message. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. morning. Catherine is uh, out of town. I think she's on vacation, which is a good thing, so you're stuck with me this morning. I was reminded when they sent the songs that we're going to sing today, we're we're going to sing Oh, How I Love Jesus in just a moment. Uh, There was a theologian named Carl Barth, and uh, he was speaking at a college one day, and in a question-and-answer service, somebody asked him, said, of all the things that you've ever learned and all the great biblical truths that you've ever learned, what's the greatest that you've ever learned? And Carl Barth said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. Sing with me. Jesus loves loves
3: me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little
2: ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Now that's true about every one of you sitting in this room, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how good you've been, doesn't matter how bad you've been, Jesus loves you. And only because he loved you can you say, I love him. Because I can promise you one thing, if it was left up to us on our own, we would never love him. But because he has loved us with such a great love, we can sing this song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Stand and we'll sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus.
4: Amen. God has truly blessed our congregation with many, many children, many beautiful and wonderful children. Uh, A couple of times a year we have something called a child dedication service, which is a recognition of both the parents and the congregation of God's amazing grace to us through our children. So this morning, I'm going to read from 1 Samuel, and then I'm going to call up uh, three families who have come this morning to dedicate their children. Now the Old Testament has a story about a woman named Hannah who prayed to the Lord for a child, and God blessed her with the child. And she dedicated this child named Eli to the Lord. First Samuel chapter one, verse nine. Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorposts of the temple of the Lord. I said her son was Eli, her son was not Eli, her son was Samuel, the priest was Eli. So let's get it all right, okay? Bear with me. Uh, verse 10, she was greatly distressed. She prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me, And not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And a razor shall never come on his head. Now she was dedicating him not only to the Lord, but to the Nazaritic priesthood. So that son, of course, was Samuel. From that, we recognize that the Bible also says, according to Psalm 127, that every child we have is a gift from our heavenly father so i'd like to recognize the families who've come this morning to participate in our dedication i'm going to start with uh, jim and mandy bimal if you would come forward with dawson june bimal she was born on 8/2 8, of 18 so august the 2nd let's welcome the bimals Kevin and Heidi Brannan bring this morning Sawyer Jane. She was born June the 15th of 18. Y'all welcome them. Yes, thank you. And then Lauren Miles is bringing with Kyle and Barb, her grandparents, Braley, Sophia, Jane, Miles, born 12, 28 of 17. So let's welcome this dear family. And kudos to you parents. This is out here's rainy day and 10.30 deadline and all that. And you made it happen, so we are blessed to have these families in our church. According to Psalm 127, parents, the children that you hold, they are gifts from your Heavenly Father. Before the thought of a little boy or girl entered your mind, the Lord already determined when and where your child would be born and that you would be parents. This is therefore an occasion to reflect on the goodness of God. Parents, what is your response? We are blessed. Amen. Scripture commands you to teach your children about the Lord Jesus Christ, bringing them up in the nurture and training of the Lord. Only then will they be adequately equipped for the challenges of life and prepared to meet God in eternity to come. It is the modeling of your life and the words of your mouth which the Holy Spirit will use to teach them about the message of God's saving love. The birth of your children should inspire us within to a greater resolve toward personal discipleship. Parents, what is your response? We are committed. Amen. This is also a time for our church body, our congregation, to recognize our responsibility to display the gospel and share the gospel and equip these parents as they minister to their children. So as a church family, we are all part of God's family. God's household and God's building. We are the body of Christ. We are not spectators. We are participants. We are fellow workers. Loving each other. Supporting each other. Encouraging each other. Holding each other accountable. For the sake of Christ and the growth of these little ones. Will you now acknowledge with commitment and gratitude your willingness to help these parents, and this parent as well, (laughs) fulfill our promises to the Lord and to one another? Church, what is your response? Together. Amen. We are witnesses. Father, thank you for your grace and your love which bestows upon us all the gifts of life and truly one of the most precious gifts of life is the relationship that we may have with children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews. God, you you give us one another, and we are just here as a congregation this morning to come alongside these parents and grandparents and support them, encourage them, love them, pray for them, and be the church, Father, that we all need to be to bring our children up to know the Lord and to live for Him and to praise and serve him with their lives. Father, that's, that's why all of us exist. Thank you for reminding us of our grander purpose today through this child dedication. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Parents, I have, before you get out of here, certificates. Uh, Sawyer Jane. Thank you. Dawson June. And Brayley, Sophia. Amen. Thank you all so much. Congregation. <clears throat>
2: Amen. Hey, there's a small group of us from Glenlock who uh, go once a month to some area nursing homes and sing for about 30 minutes. Uh, If you have uh, time in your day and you'd like to be a part of that, uh, just get with us and go. Uh, And you really don't have to be able to sing. And uh, if you go, it's a, it's a blessing to you. I, I'm telling you, it's a blessing to me to go. And uh, plus, if you don't go, you may miss out on some unbelievable entertainment. Why? We're fixing to sing Love Lifted Me. This is one of the favorite songs of the, of the people at the nursing homes that we go to, Love Lifted Me. And uh, this last Thursday, Preacher Neil and I sang a verse of this song, Backwards. We did. We're out and do that today. It was pretty entertaining, though, wasn't it, Preacher? Not not today. Not today. (laughs) Love lifted me. Please stand and we'll sing.
3: heard my despair and cry, from the waters lifted me a slave, and- I give ever to Him I cling in His blessed presence live ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, mer my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service. Wants to be be saved today.
4: Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9 as our children leave for Children's Church. We are grateful for those who minister to our children. The rest of us, 2 Corinthians 9 continues our verse-by-verse exposition of 2 Corinthians. And for chapters 8 and 9, they deal both specifically with an offering that Paul is trying to raise to benefit the poor in Jerusalem. So I think this is the third week that, we, that we've dealt with the context of, of this offering, and there are great spiritual truths that we are to gain from this particular topic about generosity and selflessness and sacrifice. And being changed by affliction to actually deepen our souls and open our hearts to become gracious to others. 2 Corinthians 9, in my opinion, takes the, the, the grace of God and gives us two dimensions of that grace. There's the aspect of God's grace down to us that we receive. The grace of God to us, that through which he bestows all that he bestows upon us, especially the grace that's in Christ and what he did on our behalf. That's what Jerry, my uncle, was talking about when he said, Jesus loves us. That's grace down to us. But then there's the, the dimension that once grace comes to us and we receive it, then we are to give it out. We are to give it back. It, it goes back up to God with, in, in worship and, and love expressed to God. But, but the grace that God gives to us then goes out to others. And so then we say, oh, how I love Jesus. So Jesus loves me, this I know. That's what we receive and oh, how I love Jesus then goes out to others as we express his love primarily by loving other people. So that's our, that's our context, and that's going to come through as we listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9. He continues to talk about the saving and transforming grace of God and how that affects us especially in being generous to other people in their time of need. So he starts out 2 Corinthians 9.1 and he says, For it is superfluous. I don't use that word a whole lot. So I'm going to say that again. It sounds important to say superfluous. He says, It is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia, that is Corinthians, that was the area in which Corinth was uh, located, that Achaia has been prepared since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I've sent the brethren that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, that as I was saying, you may be prepared. Lest if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, not to speak of you, they they should be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift. That the same might be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Those of you who were here last week know that what he's saying is from Macedonia he was going to send ahead a team a ministry team to tell the Corinthians prepare for the offering because Paul is coming later to receive the offering. You people have been ready for a year Now, complete what you promised and what you expressed that you desire to do. So when Paul shows up, there won't be any embarrassment on anybody's part because Paul's bragging about you to the Macedonians. And and not only is Paul bragging to you about the Macedonians, that when they get there, you're going to be ready. We hope that when they get there, you are ready so that there's not an awkward situation that they show up to get the money and there's no money. (laughs) So I'm trying to put it down to us on street level a a bit about what he's talking about so that we can get the context. So verse 6, Now, this I say, He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall also reap what? Bountifully. Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, Or under compulsion, for God loves a, what, cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good work. Then he quotes an Old Testament passage, as it is written, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor. His righteousness abides forever. It's important to note that the he in that verse is God. God has always scattered abroad. He's always given to the poor. And his righteousness abides forever. So the greatest motivation for us to be generous, to be self-sacrificial... To be selfless and grateful. All that comes from who God is. Verse 10. Now He, that is God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God for... The ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints. In other words, not only are you meeting real needs in Jerusalem for their hunger, but it is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality That's the second time he's used the word liberal. (laughs) Now listen, there are some things that we ought to be very conservative about. But there are also some things that we ought to be very liberal about. And he's talking about the liberality of your love and your generosity. Look what he says, verse 13. The liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also... By prayer on your behalf. They yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Father, thank you for your indescribable gift, which ultimately is the gift of yourself through Christ. Father, thank you for what you've done. And may your love... And your work continue to transform us to become what you have called and what you are shaping us to be. May we hear Paul's message to the Corinthians and apply it to ourselves personally today. Because as we see and as we know, there are needs around us. Father, we've announced an offering for the needs in Nicaragua. There are needs all around us every day. And you've promised through this text to provide all that we need so that we may be able to share love, to share finances, to share time and energy. And whatever we, are, whatever we are blessed with, God, you promise to multiply that in our own lives so that not only will we have enough for ourselves, but enough to share. Thank you for your amazing grace in every regard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul's whole point is that love transforms us. Not only has God saved us in Christ, but his love changes us in Christ. I hope all of you had a great week celebrating Valentine's Day. Yes or no? Or maybe? (laughs) You remember those? Yes, no, maybe? I find it interesting that now through social media we can keep up with other people and their so-called, or lack thereof, of a love life. For example, Michael Creed and Yumi. Don't forget about Michael and Yumi. They're in Japan, they're newlyweds. Uh, God has called Michael to full time ministry in Japan. Well, I noticed on social media that his wife, Yumi, posted some praise of Michael and his husbandry. (laughs) I quote, She says, true love drives us to do what we don't naturally do. He surprised me by cooking dinner and cleaning the apartment. (laughs) Now, I guess we're supposed to take from that that Michael, by nature, doesn't enjoy cooking dinner. And he doesn't, by nature, enjoy cleaning the apartment. But for what it's worth, that's good news. They They are still in the honeymoon stage of marriage. But my point is that true love changes us. True love drives us to do things that we, by nature, aren't naturally good at. Now, later on in life, there are going to be things to forgive. (laughs) Diapers to change. Sleepless nights. Financial struggles. Sicknesses. We, by nature, don't deal well with those types of issues and those types of problems. In the same way, if you take the words that the Apostle Paul is using in his description of how he wants the Corinthians to be, those things don't come natural to me either. Generosity. Sacrifice. Forgiveness. Joy. Holiness, helpfulness, trustworthiness, selflessness. Paul sees what God is doing in the Macedonians. That the afflictions that they have gone through have, quote, polished their graces. So that now, even though they're going through tough times, they're still generous. In fact, they're they're growing in generosity. They're still selfless. In fact, they're growing in selflessness. Uh, They're they're joyful, but they're growing in joyfulness. Because they are receiving constantly the grace of God. And not only are they receiving it, but they're being changed by it to then where they give it out. So, uh, again, I want to highlight two things. As Paul writes this letter to prepare the Corinthians for his upcoming visit in which he will come to take the offering and take it to Jerusalem to the needy Christians there, Paul emphasizes something that we need to emphasize every day and every week, and that is the grace we have received and the grace that we must give. I may say it a thousand times this morning. The grace we receive and the grace we give. First, let's think about the grace God has given to us that we have received. In fact, that's what he ends with in verse 15 in this chapter. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So before I ever think of what my responsibilities are and what my duties are and what I must do, I first have to go back to what God has first done for me. This thanks be to God is a doxology. It is an expression of worship and gratitude to God. How has He blessed us with an indescribable gift? When you and I were dead in our sins and transgressions, We deserve nothing but death and wrath and eternal separation from Him. Instead, He's blessed us with the gift of salvation in Christ. And what's interesting is that He has told them this over and over and over. And it is the central motivator to them becoming generous with their finances when others are in need. That's why He used that fancy word, superfluous, (laughs) Look at verse 1. What does that mean? What he's saying is, I really don't need to write to you this. You really don't need this. You really don't need me to tell you this again, do you? And what he's saying is you already know. You don't need another letter. You don't need another sermon. It's like when we talk about prayer or evangelism. When we hear sermons on prayer and evangelism, it's almost like you're already telling us things that we know that we need to do. We already have the background. God loved us and sent His Son. Therefore, we should be people of prayer. We should be people of evangelism. We know we need more exercise. We don't have to be told that. What's the kicker? We need to do it. We just need to do it. Paul is saying, look... you know you need to give, and we could apply this in another. You know you need to be praying. You know you need to be evangelistic. We don't need to read another book or hear another sermon or be, you know, have another command. I mean, obviously we do, or people like me would be out of work. We need preaching, and we need books, and we need those commands, but there's a sense in which we don't need any more of that. It's like, it's like standing at the edge of the pool. And you know that it's going to be cold when you first jump in. And you know that it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. But what do you need to do? You just need to jump. You just need to do it. So I hear Paul saying, Corinthians, you already know this. You already have the desire. There's really no need for me to tell you this over and over and week after week after week. We need action. We need the doing. The desire and the initiative, they said, we talked about this last week, you, they knew for a year that this is what God had been leading them to do. But they delay and they delay and they delay and then they get another letter, encourage them. You know, I thank God that, that He knows God knows us. This made me think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where his disciples kept falling asleep again and again and again. They were trying to go all the way with Jesus. But there in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he prayed on their behalf, and as he prayed, Father, not, not my will, but your will be done. If there's any other way, take this. He came back to them and he said, you know what he said to them? Could, could, could you guys not stay awake with me for even an hour? And then he said, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Paul says, You don't need a letter, but he writes the letter anyway because he knows us and he knows. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And where in my spirit, I don't need to be told this anymore. In my flesh, I need to remind myself of the gospel every single day. I, I do need the letter. I do need the book. I do need the sermon. Why? Because my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. So I thank God for His gift and the gift of His patience, the gift of His mercy. Because God's used to dealing with people like me and you who have the willingness, but we don't have the action. And that's why God sent Jesus to the cross, and that's why Jesus from the cross, three of the best words you'll ever hear in life are, it is finished. He finished the work fully and completely that we could never finish. So God, dealing with sinful, lukewarm fleshly weak people knows that we need a finished work to count on we need a finished work to make us rich because we would never complete the job we've got all these good intentions and all these good desires and paul is writing to the corinthians finish it because god has god has made you rich he's given you a great gift and this gift is indescribable how's he made us rich well, we are rich in forgiveness. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We have no fear in the ultimate judgment because God looks upon me with the same favor with which He looks upon His Son because He sees me in Christ. We're rich in righteousness. We're counted in Christ as righteous as He is and we're growing in Christlikeness through the Spirit. We are rich in love. Not only do we have our relationship with our kind Heavenly Father, but look around this room. You are rich in love, and that you have around you people who love the Lord and love you. And I guarantee you, you call upon the people in this room, they will love you, and they will be there for you and help you do, as we've said before, some of the heavy lifting in life. The heavy lifting. We're rich in gratitude. Thanks be to God. A grateful heart is a wealthy heart and a contented heart. It has value for all things. We are rich in eternal life. We read Revelation 21 and 22. The new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. We could go on and on. It's indescribable the gift of God's grace to us in Christ and all that comes with it. And not only is this His gift... But it is continual grace. It's continual. It's not just something that happened to us historically 2,000 years ago. Look at verse 8, one of the highlight verses of this chapter. God is able. There is no way that He could express this verse In a greater way, and here's why. He is able to make all grace abound to you, that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good work. All, all, every, every. Those are totally comprehensive words. So we here at Glenlock are called to be cheerful givers in verse 7, which the Greek word there means hilarious. They're hilarious givers. (laughs) Well, we're silly at times, right, Jerry, when we sing, Love Lifted Me Backwards. I'm so glad you didn't make us do that today. But if we are hilarious, cheerful givers, then here's our cheer. All, all, every, every. All, all, every, every. in that God is completely and infinitely comprehensive in his knowledge of our situation his knowledge of what we're going through and he is able to provide all that we need to do every good deed that he calls us to do that's his specific continual transforming grace so that's the grace that God has given to us it is what is to dominate and motivate and transform us to become all that God desires for us to become It's what changes us from from the fallen fleshly nature that we have to the spiritual nature, going from selfishness and and, and egocentric living to to God-centered and gracious and sacrificial living. How am I going to become things that I don't enjoy being by, by nature and by the flesh? Only by God's transforming grace. That's what Paul is describing as he ministers to the Corinthians. But it's not just the grace to us, it's the grace through us. These Corinthians, as we have said repeatedly, they began with eagerness and enthusiasm. On Sunday morning, man, they were ready to commit their lives. But they got out there in the real world of the daily grind on Monday and they just held back. They had readiness, but they lacked the execution. So God works through this and explains to them. Now notice what he did in verses 1 through 5. He used the Corinthians to motivate the Macedonians, and then he used the Macedonians to motivate the Corinthians. Did you hear what Paul was doing? It's like working in the assembly plant. Ford did this. The the group that worked on one particular shift, they wrote on the the floor of the, the plant the number four. They had completed four. The next group come in can, c- comes in and they look down and they see the number four and they say, uh, "We can beat four <laughs> and After their shift, they write on the floor where the four was five <laughs> true story this this mutual uh, competitive to, uh, largely to a degree inspiration that Look at what the Macedonians have given. Look at what the Corinthians have started. So he's using this mutual, reciprocal encouragement toward one another. And that's what verses 1 through 5 are are about. But he keeps talking about the bounty and the the liberality of it all. So notice that when God works in us toward actual generosity, not just faith, wanting to be generous, not just thinking about being generous, but actually writing the check, actually handing over the cash, the actual generosity, with this, he gives us a heart of cheerfulness. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And I take this, that he gives his favor, he gives his blessing, he gives his joy. For lack of a better term, he gives his hugs, okay? To cheerful givers. He increases the blessing of the cheerful giver. Notice that God is primarily concerned with the attitude and the type of person we are becoming. Notice a couple of things here. He provides seed to the sower and bread for food increasingly for your life and ministry in an infinite, ever-increasing supply. Now, from this, we are to gain that charity is not a loss. Charity is a seed, and it's an investment. The farmer doesn't say to himself about his seed, man, I hate to see that seed go. (laughs) I sowed seed all day long, but I sure hate to lose my seed. Why doesn't he say that? Because he knows the seed is actually a loss that is productive. It's a good loss. And Jesus said if a seed goes into the ground and dies, it bears much fruit. He saw his life as the planting of a seed. And God uses this analogy throughout Scripture, the sowing of seed that reaps a harvest. Now, notice that the harvest, this is not health, wealth, and prosperity gospel by any means. The true harvest, biblically, is not, hey, I'll give $20 and then hope that next week I have $40. That may be the case, and God often does that. This is not health, wealth, and prosperity. Job lost everything, but became spiritually infinitely greater wealthy. And then at the end, he came Became materially wealthy. That's, that's for the new heaven and the new earth. Primarily in the life of the believer. But it's the increase of your righteousness. Which cannot be measured in dollars and cents. The increase of the harvest of your righteousness. He increases your your spiritual wealth. So what that means is He increases my joy. He increases my love. He increases my gratitude and my relationships. He increases my, 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 my knowledge of Him and my love for Him and other people. And you become enriched, He says, in everything. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The whole kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? The whole earth. God says, whatever is mine is yours, believer. So trust me. This will result in a fellowship of people knowing and giving thanks. Look at the whole purpose of the giving. It was ultimately for the knowledge and worship of God. When they get that money, he says, about the, the, the Christians in Jerusalem, they will do what? They will glorify God. They'll fulfill the very purpose for which God created us and saved us, to worship Him. They'll glorify God for your obedience, for your confession to the gospel, for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. They're praying for you. They yearn for you. Paul is unifying the Jew and the Gentile and the total body of Christ as they mutually share the generous wealth of God that He has graciously given. In this, he warns them against what I have turned before the silent killers. Like hypertension, you can't always see this, but they're working beneath the surface to choke the life of the Spirit out of us. He gives a warning against covetousness. Look in verse 5. Do not let your offering be affected by covetousness. Jesus said, be on your guard against every form of greed. The Bible says greed is idolatry. It is putting things in a place that is reserved for God alone. There's also a warning against reluctant giving or begrudging giving. Giving and at the same time feeling a great sense of regret and loss. A warning against forced or comp- under compulsion giving, pressure tactics, manipulation. And in context, he said, listen, if you, if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake in the gospel, you will keep it to life eternal. So as God shows us his love and shows us his work, This should move our hearts to give to others. So let's each purpose in our hearts as we reflect on His indescribable gift to do with our blessings and our resources and they're not just financial. In fact, I'll I'll go on and say they're primarily not financial. There are things worth a whole lot more than money to us. And think about the ultimate motive which is not necessarily a sermon or a book or an encouragement, but the love of God and the cross of Christ. Yumi Creed is right. Love transforms us. It changes us. Michael Creed's not in Japan asking, what can I get away with? (laughs) Or how little can I give? Or at least I, I don't think he's asking that question. Love asks, how much can I give? How much of myself can I give away? So you and I need to constantly ready and position our hearts to receive grace, for we are desperately in need, and constantly ready our hearts to give grace, to share it among ourselves. We talked about this last week. The Lord's Supper demonstrates this. This is my body which is for you. Take it right, personally, and then share it among yourselves. Give it away. Constantly readying our heart to receive grace and give grace. And in our discipleship, our two great areas of concern are continually the need to receive and to give the grace that God has given to us. I'll close with this one thought. A few weeks ago, Kyle Kane's grandfather passed away and I really enjoyed, along with some other people from Glenlock, traveling up to Harrelson County for the funeral service. Y'all, Kyle both preached and sang. That's a double-threat ministry right there, preaching and singing. And he did such an excellent job sharing the gospel, sharing his personal thoughts about his grandfather, and singing songs that I think edified the group of people that were gathered there around the graveside. And I know, Kyle, you may share more about that later on at another opportunity. But Kyle said something about his grandfather that was very simple, yet very profound. And if we take it to heart, it's life-changing. And I was soaking up everything that he, that he said, partly because I enjoy listening. When I go to a service, ceremony, funeral, whatever it is, and, I'm, and I'm, I don't have to do anything speaking or, or uh, coordinating-wise, And I I soak it up Uh, when you're used to having to be the guy behind you 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 get what I'm saying. So anyway, I was was hanging on everything Kyle was saying. I was just soaking it up. And Kyle said, you know, my granddaddy lived like this. He lived as if God was watching everything that he did. I mean, (laughs) that's Christianity 101 right there. That's that's one of those, duh. (laughs) But the reason it has to be pointed out is that by nature, you and I run from God. By nature, we live as if God can't see or we don't want Him to see every single thing that we do. How transforming would it be that we imagine and know for reality that God really is aware of every thought that I have, every behavior that I have. He knows my total financial context. He knows the heart with which I give every dime I give. And he knows whether or not when I put that in, I say to myself, well, good grief, there it goes again. Or if when we write the check, we say, you know what? I know that God is going to provide enough for me and my children and my grandchildren. He's promised to do that. I know that He's given His Son. And if He's given His Son, then there's nothing He's going to withhold from me that is good for me. I'm going to live and act and spend and think as if God sees and knows and rewards and blesses and controls and is sovereign over everything that I do. Now, Kyle had a granddaddy like that. He wasn't perfect, (laughs) but boy, he made an impact on your life, didn't he, Kyle? He lived as if God was aware of everything that he did. You know what? That's what Paul's saying. (laughs) God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you might have an abundance for every good deed that he calls you to do. You know what it is to not live that way? It's called practical atheism. It's living as if God doesn't exist. It's living a delusional life, as if God doesn't see and doesn't act and doesn't know about everything that's going on. He is intimately acquainted with all your ways. That is a wonderful, comforting thought. But it's also a convicting thought. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's why Paul calls Jesus God's indescribable gift. Because our hearts are willing, but our flesh is weak. And that's why Jesus went all the way through Gethsemane straight to the cross to finish the ultimate work that you and I needed most that we could never finish on our own. That's his gift. And let that that inspire us uh, to give and work and move and do all that he's called us to do. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. You have made us rich in forgiveness. You've made us rich in love. You've made us rich in joy. And Father, you are also in control, the Bible says, of our ability not only to work and to do, but to enjoy what we work and do. Joy comes only from you. So, Father, may we recognize that and and confess that and, and, and live according to that. You know us. You're intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Let that convict us, but let that drive us to the cross and encourage us to become what you've called us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, Living for Jesus. I'll be down front for prayer, commitments, whatever you feel God leading you to. make. Hey, the key is to do it. The key is the action that God is moving you toward. You come as we sing. Now take our offering.
5: Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your kindness and love and patience. Just thank you for what you did at Calvary, God, that uh, she was my atonement and you, you took my place up there at the cross. God, I was grateful for the baby dedication service today, God, and uh, grateful for the parents and grandparents that that, uh, that came up here and dedicated their, their baby, God, and it really takes you, though, God, I can, I can come up here and, and say I'm going to, uh, you know, dedicate this baby, but God, it, it, it takes you to help me be a good parent. And I have to keep you in mind each and every day and do the things that the Bible says to do, God. And I just everybody pray everybody keep that in mind. God, and I was grateful for the message today. It was really uplifting. God, I hadn't received any letters from Paul that I need to do this and I need to do that, but I know that I do, and I needed to hear the message today. I need to hear the gospel, and I'm grateful for what I heard. And I just pray as everybody would give today that we'd all be joyful givers and just knowing, God, that that's what you want us to do, God, and that we'd have love in our hearts and we'd always remember you. And I'd like to say that all my hope is in you, that one day I'll see you face to face, and I'm looking grateful for that day, God. These things I ask in the name of Jesus, amen.
4: Let's stand, stand for our benediction, as you see, as they played the offertory. Those are pictures uh, from Nicaragua and Brother Ronnie's ministry there. Again, uh, the offering today, based on our, 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 in response to our lunch, is going toward those toward those needs in Nicaragua. Uh, Jerry, thank you for substituting for Catherine today. We are blessed to have you. He's going to lead us in our benediction.
2: Oh, way, did you recognize the offertory hymn? Oh, yeah. What was it? Grace, grace. grace that is greater than all our sins. Man, grace wouldn't be very graceful if it wasn't greater than all our sins, would it? Well, sing with me.
3: God be with you till we meet again. By his counsels, guide upon home.